film and television. Merely entertainment, right? No. There's so much more to film and television that changes our perspectives. And as a result, we can have different, either realistic expectations or non-realistic expectations about what life is really like. Whether it be horror that helps us develop a habit of turning every light on in the house or a comedy that helps us relieve tension in the saddest times of our life. I want to go in the Wayback Machine and find out exactly what movie helped shape you. I'm Oma Shadi, and welcome to the Between the Bannisters podcast. So folks, I'm really excited. I know I say that all the time. Oh, you're always excited about things. I know, I'm excitable. I'm so excited about our guest today. Heather A. Taylor, who is a writer and director, most recently having her film Lethal Love, which is a feature film on Netflix, and the Hardy Boys television series, which I'm really excited about, so much fun, is also a co-host of a podcast called Brains. Yes, you heard it correctly, Brains. Um, Just gives us a little bit more of an in-depth and insightful look at how our brains work and how it affects our bodies and the parameters that we navigate within. And I'm so happy that she's here talking about this film today because she's just a joy to be around. So, Miss Heather, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about the seminal film, Working Girl. Ah, I'm so excited. I'm really excited to talk about this because I feel like I have not gotten enough love for 80s movies on this podcast yet. So, I really... I love this because I love everybody that's in it. First of all, I wanted to be Joan Cusack. (laughs) I wanted to be thin. I wanted her hair. My hair is never going to do that in my entire life. So it was a big, it was a big dream of mine. So tell me why you've chosen Working Girl above any other film you could have chosen. So for me, Working Girl, okay. I felt like it was so inspirational as a film because it showed you know, someone coming from a working class background mm-hmm. and finding their own path to success. Now, and being very realistic about how difficult it is mm-hmm. and that sometimes you can't follow the rules to win. And it, so it felt like, like oddly inspirational, but also like a tale that's telling you like, you can't always, you're not going to get right. by by just doing it the way that you are told to do it. Mm-hmm. which as someone who was very rebellious was like, <laughs> yes, like I'm going to do it my own way. And like, I don't need any, like I can do it whatever way I want. And um, which has probably both served me and harmed me in my life. <laughs> I'm like, my okay. but I, I feel like I come from, like, I grew up in a background that was like, you know, we didn't come from a place of, we didn't know anyone. Like we grew up below the poverty line. Like this is to me felt really reflective of, the world I came from, even though we were from such different places. Like I grew up in um, Northern Saskatchewan in a small town. And then I, um, then we moved to like a bigger city called Edmonton, Alberta, which is again, like a million people, like not New York in any capacity. Right. (laughs) And so I never had a dream of like moving to New York or anything, but it just, it, for me, it was like, I just loved that I got to see a woman like take charge and find a path and win and win with her intelligence and her way of like making connections to things that no one else made connections about, which is kind of how I've always been as a person, like seeing things that people don't see. So it's like, well, it felt so like relatable. And also this idea of like, that, yeah, it's like, sometimes 
you have to figure out ways to get around like people aren't always the best to you so then how do you figure out how to get get around that and without losing who you are in the process yeah and I think what's so what's so great about this film is but just to your point is really that socioeconomic piece of where and you've got her kind of really not wanting to settle with what her station is knowing she wants something better and she really wants to go headlong into it and she doesn't want to settle in her relationship and she's walking around Catherine's apartment and she's in awe of everything that she possibly could have if she only had the means and I also grew up very you know we were below the poverty line too my parents split when I was very very young and my mother was working two jobs and going to school at night so I was a positively 100 almost 100% latchkey kid you know just learning how to do things on your own and really seeing that it reflected in to where you're you're talking about being it being relatable it's not coming where she's like this big school of hard knocks and not necessarily a rags to riches tale but it's like her perspective makes her see the world differently which is why she was able to succeed in the way she did yes it was done in a positive way like it wasn't what then that's I think that's what I also loved about it they showed this working class community as a community that wasn't from a place of trauma it was like people doing what they needed to do being successful in the ways they thought that they wanted to be successful in like um and yeah great all these people like so Alec Baldwin played Nick Dugan who was the boyfriend of the main character was played by Molly Griffith, who's Tess McGill. They were a couple. Um, he was dreaming of buying a boat so that he could work like with this, like work on this boat. And that was kind of his dream. And that was what he was like aiming for mm-hmm. and wanting. And she just, Tess wanted more. And, but she had to do it in a different way. She's like, I have to work in the day and go to school at night. I can't go to a fancy school. I can't afford it. So I'm going to do the whatever I can do to get there. And her best friend is like this woman's sin. And you like, <laughs> I love her, um, her by Joan Cusack. And, you know, she's just like, you know, in this, in the film, setting up to get married to the love of her life. And this kind of dream of like, I'll be with, which you kind of get when you grew up in a place, a smaller, not smaller town, but like they live in Staten Island in this like very specific community where they're like, yeah, we marry, I'm marrying my high school sweetheart. You should marry your high school sweetheart. We'll have kids together. We'll have this life, this kind of wonderful life. And she's like, never is put that life down. She's just like, it's just not the life for me. So she still went to the events. She still did the things with her friends and she was never looked down on it. And I think that's what was so joyful about it is that she's like, I'm not saying this is bad. I'm just saying this isn't for me. And this is the world I want to be in and not to be because I want to be um, like make all the money and be successful. It's just like, because I know that I can do this and this is what I'm here on the, on earth to do. Mm-hmm. Like I have the, like the ability to see the world in a way that is made for this business to be like in like essentially mergers and acquisitions. She understands business. She understands like when to risk things and like working in this world of finance She's like, that's how my brain works. I just need someone to see that it works that way. Right. And I think what's so lovely is that we're getting to, you have the dichotomy of that working class, like raised to marry. Like, I feel like that is a very small town mentality where you are, we raise our daughters to get married. Like we don't think beyond that. We don't think college. We don't think 
you know, especially in the eighties where that's what it was. It was marrying your high school sweetheart and the people that were dating senior year, like, were they going to make it? And Mm -hmm. you know, then the following year they're married or two months out of high school, they're married or they're having a baby and then they're getting married. And that's not necessarily where life was stopping for them, but that was kind of the expected path and seeing Tess's path and saying both are okay. Both are good. Yes. And this is an example of how. Yeah. And there was no, like, there was like, this person has a dream and I'll support it. Um, but it's just like this, this, like, so I wrote down quotes and this is like, <laughs> Get it. I wrote down quotes. So it's like when Tess, like, so just for anyone who hasn't watched the film, basically mm-hmm. Tess McGill <laughs> is working as often, she's always someone's assistant and she's often working for men who are like horrible and like always sexualize her, always trying to sleep with her. And she's like, guys, like I, I need to like, I'm more than this. Like you have to like, I want to get ahead in this, not just because I'm not going to have sex with you. Like that's mm-hmm. it. Like I want to get ahead from my smarts. Um, and I think like, she's basically her, she has this idea. She brings it, she gets a new boss. It's a woman. She goes to her boss and says, I have this great idea. The boss is like, I'll take a look at it. She ends up breaking her leg skiing. And when Tess goes to her house to like help sort things, she finds out that she's basically sent the idea onto someone without um, connecting through her. So basically stealing her idea. So she's like, fine, I'm going to go and I'm going to just like pretend I work with her and I'm going to go in and like pretend that I um, am higher up than I am so that I can like, show people what I can do and so like the thing she said that I think was really cool is like um and it's like uh her friend Sin like when she's doing this she's like she she kind of says her I know what I'm doing and Sin's like yeah you're screwing your life she's like no I'm making it better I'm not going to spend the rest of my life working my ass off and getting nowhere just because I followed the rules I had nothing to do with setting up and then Sin's response, of course, is sometimes I sing and dance in the house in my underwear. It doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. So this kind of like never, this, never, never. Will. This perception of like, yeah. well, you're pretending. And she's like, I'm, I'm not, sometimes I'm not pretending. I just, no one else is taking me seriously. Like, she's like, if you need to be taken, I need to be taken seriously. You need serious hair. Like that is like, right. That kind of thing, right? She gets that'll her haircut. That'll fix it. But it Montage. is. Like, she looks different by looking different. Yeah. She ends up like, she like even the mullet off. Yeah, yeah. She gets the mullet off. She like <laughs> wears different clothes the, to the point where her friend Sims like, um, you look classy. What? Oh no. Uh, her boyfriend, Mike goes, you look classy. What do you have? What do you have to do? Go to traffic court? Like <laughs> an idea of like what you dress up for. And she's like, yeah. no, no, I'm going to like go this for is, it. This is yeah. my job. <laughs> this is my job. I'm going for a job. Um, and it's like, it's very, I think this, you know, this idea is of like who I can be, especially as a woman mm-hmm. and her breaking those rules and saying, I don't have to be just because I come from this place doesn't mean I have to be this person and I can be whoever I want to be. Yeah. hundred um, percent. But you have to see me first. And it's like, you know, cause she says, um, you know, you can bend the rules plenty when you get upstairs, but what you're trying, but what, not when you're trying to get there. Yeah. And if you're someone like me, you can't get there without bending the rules. Right. And a hundred percent. I feel like, especially as women, 
we have to find a way around loopholes, blockages, gatekeepers. Yeah. That's kind of the, our kind of lot in life. So where Tess has that outlook where she feels that she needs to do it a different way or find a deviation or find a loophole, how do you feel that her journey shaped you as a person or even into your adulthood and how you navigate things now? That's interesting. It's so funny. So when I was thinking about a movie for this, I actually like um, when in 2018, I was in a program at the Canadian Film Center called the Primetime TV Program. And we had to do a like five-year plan. And on the cover is a picture from Working Girl. <laughs> yeah, I love saying, it. Um, oh, wait, I totally want to open this up because I want to say what I said. Because I, I just like look at it and look at how women are presented in this film and like how you're perceived and what you can do. And I feel like, <laughs> uh, I feel like nothing has changed. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is really sad, but I wanna find this because I can't remember off the top of my head what I said. And I do think past Heather is funny. Um, <laughs> so I have this like picture of- Past Heather uh, is funny. <laughs> I have a picture of them like all serious. Uh, by them I mean so Harrison Ford is this person she reaches out to to partner mm -hmm. with um and Molly Griffith and very serious large glasses that are totally in right now yeah are like at this business meeting and then a picture of her like later and I said note I know Working Girl is a film from the 80s but there's still a lot of cis white men who make all the decisions almost 40 years later think of this as the before picture oh see <laughs> Maybe not funny, maybe clever. I don't know. No, but, I love it. <laughs> but I like, I, I look at it still as being this thing where like, it's sadly seems progressive um, yeah. even 40 years later. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for me, it's like being able to see characters in film that aren't as you expect them to be and being three-dimensional, not being like so blatantly like, oh, I'm from this place and I've rejected and like, well, it's so horrible, but like really seeing like the love she has for her community she's from, her ambition and being able to be ambition and ambitious and the people in her life, though sometimes not always understanding her choices, completely supporting her, right? right? Like they do support her in whatever capacity um, and, and, or sometimes don't. And then they come around and like, you know, you know what you are like, this is amazing. Like, at the mm -hmm. end, the last line of the film comes from Sin, and she's like, you got out. Like, she got out. She has an yeah. office. Yeah. This idea, she got her office. Like, that's the last thing that's said is, like, about the joy that everyone had and the unexpectedness of a woman making it. Right. And they're all and screaming. They're all, like, the whole secretarial pool yeah. is very excited for her. No jealousy. Everyone's yeah. just, like, building each other up. Like, how do we progress? How do we, like, help each other rise yeah. up? And that her, at the end, like, doing it differently when she, like, realizes that, because at first she thinks she's going to be another secretary, another assistant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, she said secretary. So, like, I thought I was a secretary. Like, and not realizing that she actually is progressed up and she has an office. And she has her own. Assistant, assistant said, I prefer to be called your assistant and um, let me know what kind of co what coffee you like and all this stuff. And then Tess is like, you know what? Call me Tess. Only get me coffee if you're getting coffee. Like she changed the way. Mm -hmm. She's like, we are partners here. I want, you know, I want you to progress as much as, as I do. And I feel right. like 
I've always taken that ethos into my life. Mm-hmm. Like meeting with people, like even when I like worked my day job, I worked in advertising to get a green card to live in America. Mm-hmm. Ironically, in New York in advertising. <laughs> ironic. But I always was like, how, how do we do it differently? Like I would meet with junior um, juniors that would be working with me and I'd be like, okay, what do you want to be? Right. And they would give me those spiel of like, like, well, I really want to do, like, I really want to like work on a good account and like all this spiel. Like boil, boilerplate. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd be like, no, 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 no. Like, what do you actually want to do? Like, not here. You don't have to work at this. I don't think you'll work at this job forever. Like, where do you want to go? And then their eyes would light up and they'd be like, oh my God, okay, I want to be a writer. I want to mm. be a copywriter. I'm like, okay, well, how can we help you get there? Right. Because I'm like, that's how we progress is that someone has to say, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. Who can I introduce you to? How can I give you more skills? Like in whatever capacity I can, like how, or do you need information or do you need me to read something? Or do you need to like, like tell you who to talk to or give you some advice, like whatever way. And I felt like, I don't know if I ever had a mentor and same thing that yeah. Tess was always looking for one and she didn't really have one. I never really felt like I had one, but I felt like I could help other people because I scrapped my way out. Mm-hmm. Like I had to work my ass off and work like three jobs and often not eat and like all the shit that happens and the fear that comes with that. That's been my whole life. And I'm just like, cause when you come from a place of nothing, like you just yep. you either stay in nothing or you go up and it's hard to get up. Mm-hmm. Like literally exec said to me one day, I don't really see a lot of people from your background. I'm like, yeah, no shit. You know, long and hard <laughs> it takes for us to get up here. Yeah. Yeah. So we, need t- we need time. You answered and, your own question there, bud. Yeah. <laughs> time means money, right? Time means money. I don't have money, so I don't have time. Right. Right. And no. so I felt so attuned to this like woman who like scrapped and like at night that I feel like, well, how do we help other people who are scrapping? How do yeah. we help other people like do something or get opportunities or like on a set and like, oh, you haven't really had experience? Like, you do have a set, make sure some people are in there that maybe are transitioning jobs or have never done something before so they can Mm -hmm. have experience so that they can do it again. Yeah. I had someone who came on my set who went from working in the world of pharmacy to working in film and television because she came and worked on my set and I recommended her. Yeah. That's how- That's it. That's it. That's it, everybody. Guess what? That's it. We just cracked the Da Vinci code. Oh my God. <laughs> so is this how we do it? I think so. And I think what's so great about that is that you you really implementing what you saw Tess do and her assistant is so pivotal for our areas of opportunity as women. Yes. Yeah. And it's all, you know, there's so much verbiage about, you know, reach behind you and pull forward or pull someone else up the ladder. And it's, there are, I mean, complete transparency. There are groups of women that will do that for each other. And there are groups of women that do not do that for each other. Yeah. And that's just how the world works. Right. But I think that's what also is good about this film is they yeah. showed that too. She's like, oh, I'm working for a woman. Mm-hmm. Therefore I'm going to get my leg up. And instead she took her idea and she shut her down. And then yep. she lashed out at the end, told her she was basically crazy and that she she's the one who sold the idea and basically like was blackballing her like she mm-hmm. would have not gotten a, she would have never had a job again in that industry yep and instead this colleague that she had been working with who she ends up being with because it's the wrong one too so like right. but <laughs> yeah. whatever like nice smiling again, again like 
yeah, there's that's you know whatever. We'll we can talk about like things that could be different, but anyways, it's fine. We always love <laughs> romance. Um, but like he's really transparent with her when he's when she's like, would you ever not see a pitch from someone that wasn't like someone essentially like her? And he's mm-hmm. like, no, I would always look at things openly. Um, because she was told by this by Catherine by Sigmar Gordy Weaver's character that oh I couldn't send it to this guy because he got burned before and and so I was just going to try to test the waters and so she was basically making excuses for mm-hmm. why she stole her idea and trying to get away with it and instead of like just accepting it she's like no I'm going to make sure that this is actually true and so I think it does show that like um, yeah that not everyone always has your best interests at heart and yeah. to be mindful of that. I want to pose a question to you and I feel like maybe I don't know if I'm reaching or I'm <laughs> reading oh. too too hard into this but it's the last line that Sin says where she's like you got out and I'm wondering if that is like I said I wonder if I'm reading too much into it of of that is really Sin taking stock of this is kind of where from our background and what we're supposed to do mm-hmm. um where our journey should end is where I am but she did something above and beyond what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I'm wondering if that was meant to say kind of both, but with that same underpinning of support. I think so, because I never thought that she was belittling her own position. Mm -hmm. That more that this person had a dream and she succeeded at it. Yeah. Which I hope, because I think what was, Good throughout is that there was never felt like judgment on what they were doing right on either side <clears throat> on either side that it was like they all did good work yeah it's just that their work is at this level and then sometimes not the best conditions yeah and that she dreamed of something that was out of the secretarial pool and she made it yeah um even though she almost lost everything mm-hmm. but she's like it, it was worth the risk because if i don't you know if you don't risk then like no reward no reward right like (laughs) yeah and then you know and also what I loved is just like one of the things she said when when she was packing up her stuff and someone's like well what are you gonna do now she's like I'm gonna find a job a place to live wise up and not take the whole thing so seriously so I never felt like she was gonna give up but she's like I'm gonna have a different outlook that maybe this isn't everything but also like maybe I still just, I have to keep doing it, but in a different capacity. Like she never, but she's like, I'm just going to carry on, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to be like, I'm, I'm not going to, if I take it so seriously, it'll break my heart. And so right. like, how do I do this in a way that's like good for me? And, but it ends up paying off. Um, because even like, so at the end, like she's going to go pack up her stuff. I kind of love this. And she's reading, reading the paper. She's reading this side of it because she would read everything, which I also love because I'm like a big research junkie. Like I love yeah. tons of things. I'm like interconnecting weird ideas. I'm like, oh, this is me. That's how my brain is. She, you can see her like she reads something and clocks it and knows it's important. She puts the paper down. She's on the Staten Island Ferry. Puts the paper down. Walks a couple steps away, and you can see her make a choice, turn back, and rip the page out. Mm-hmm. So even though she had been like kicked off the account, fired from her job. Um, basically knows she's nowhere. She still had it on her mind. And she, and you find out later that it was about a story about the greatest asset from this company that if you didn't secure the company mm-hmm. would be worth very little. And yeah. so she actually saves their deal, but it was because she was thinking differently and she still couldn't let it go. 
Right. Right. Like even despite everything that happened, she's just like, I don't know, this might be something and I'm going to just like take it. So always like having that in our mind, always seeing something differently and not being able to give up on that. Yeah. Love it. Oh, what a good perspective. I love it. I love that, Heather. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So if we're talking about lines and scenes, I always ask, can you give me your top three scenes from this movie? I know three is kind of hard, but because it is such a good movie and there's such good dialogue in it. It's really well, well, well written. It's very well written. It's very well written. It is. My goodness, it's such a like, okay. I do, I do love, oh my goodness. Like there's a whole sequence where she's deciding, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pretend to be someone else. And she's trying on clothes. <laughs> Catherine's, she's always in her underwear. But, yeah. You know, young Melanie Griffith. She, why not? <laughs> but she's like trying on different things and she finds this, this outfit and she's like, um, you know, it's like, oh, it's really like, she's like, oh, it's, um, she's picking this dress. She's like, it's simple, elegant, yet makes a statement. It says to people, I'm confident, a risk taker, not afraid to be noticed. Then you hit them with the smarts. And so she's like, this is this dress. And so she's like, just try, like puts it up to her and she's like, this is it. And then um, Sin's like, it's, what about, it's missing bows or something. And she's like, no, 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 simple, simple. And she's like, it needs to be simple. So she passes to Sin and she's picking out shoes. And there's, of course, cause like, this is the whole thing with like showing the differences in like class mm-hmm. and like, socioeconomic background there's still a tag on this dress like these there's million dresses a dress sitting in there with still the the tag on it and so sin looks at the tag and she's like this is a six thousand dollar dress and melanie griffith has a legit panic attack (laughs) i love that she's sitting there she's like (gasps) oh my god God, i can't do this like what am i kidding myself like this is a world that i do not belong in yeah. And then she gives her a value, which is way too much. And then she ends up getting drunk and right. passing out. Right, I was going to say, too much to drink. Has too much, she has a drink, she has shots with, um, this, to the Harrison Ford's char- character, Jack Trainer, who looks mm-hmm. at her first as like a woman, then later like as a woman, as in like someone I want to sleep with, but he doesn't take advantage of her like all these other men. So we see that he's different mm-hmm. and that he takes her home, but like doesn't do anything to her untoward, which is odd awesome because she's passed out so please god no and then, exactly like, don't be a perv and great right. and so he so then it's really about like oh you're it shows that he's different to her yes even though he was like and he didn't tell her his name because he's like i just wanted to have a night away like a night off and she's like but you just saw me as a, like someone to sleep with he's like yeah but you're now much more so like it was kind of a nice thing to see this person being kind mm-hmm. but respectful like, and yeah. respectful um, even though he lied to her, I mean, there's like, things <laughs> yep. he shouldn't have done, but whatever. Um, and I think, so that was really, that was really fascinating, uh, or really like fun se- se- sequence and then really showing like how you are. And then she was trying to be all like suave and, and, uh, she'd had a drink and she's like, I have a head for business and a bod for sin. Mm-hmm. Is anything wrong with that? Like as she says to him and I was like, He's oh. like, no. He's no, like, oh. So, okay. So that was a cool, like little sequence. You really see her like for the first time embodying this world mm-hmm. and also like running into someone from her old job and realizing like, oh, this might be harder to navigate than I thought. And like, how do I like navigate this? Um, another scene that was really interesting was like 
when she really was starting to come into her own, like I mean, there's so many good scenes, but she's really starting to come into her own. And she um, basically, she goes back for her friend's engagement party or for their like bridal shower. And they are getting stuff and she's broken up with um, her boyfriend, um, Alec Baldwin's character, Mick, because mm-hmm. he was cheating on her. Yep. Caught him red-handed. Caught him red-handed. So they weren't like officially broken up, but she had like left him mm-hmm. and was living at, this, at Catherine's house because she was away with the broken leg of skiing. And so she was like very much came back to like be there to support her friend and wasn't avoiding it. And then her and Mick were kind of like dancing and close and like, oh, like, I don't know, maybe there's something here. And they basically, uh, someone like calls out like, when are you going to pop the question? When is it going to be your t- you two? Oh, yes. Oh. It's so awkward. And like, Nelly, they're kind of, Nelly goes like, okay, let's like, and then meanwhile, like the girl he was sleeping with is like looking at them and she's obviously in love with him and they've been sleeping together and like, mm-hmm. and they have this moment and then he turns to her and he asks her to marry him. Mm-hmm. and I'm like oh dude but because he's like again this is the expected thing that he's supposed to do so he's also in the trap of like what is expected of me right and she's like maybe and then they wah, go, wah. Yeah, they go <laughs> aside you embarrassed me I'll think about it and like full blowout you've embarrassed me and I wrote down yeah. this is my this is my thing <laughs> um she said maybe and he's like well you didn't oh no she says maybe and he's like that's not like what what's that kind of answer to a question she's like if you want another answer ask another girl and I was like yes yes like, <laughs> you have autonomy and both of you can like be who you want to be you don't have to do what anyone else doesn't want to do and when they're fighting about it mm-hmm. and she's like you can't she's like I'm not steak you can't just order me yeah brilliant line I was like so many little zingers in there yeah, I do love that. This is such a well-written. It really is. <laughs> it, you did, okay, wait, side note, because I looked up things. Did you know that this was actually the first screenplay that was made at the writer made? No. And, yeah, so Kevin Wade is the writer. This was his first, wow. he, was, he was a playwright mm-hmm. and had a play on, and then he wrote this film, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's gone on to write I'll tell you what else he's written after this oh man True Colors wow Junior Made in Manhattan Meet Joe Black and now he's the EP on uh, Blue Bloods oh see <laughs> but it started with him like he was a playwright and he wrote this yeah I really think it was a really amazing like kind of cross like a match of genre of like there is rom-com but it really is this drama about this woman yeah like her motivations yeah. and directed by mike nichols which mike nichols yes. doesn't really ever miss so oh my god like i was writing down all the things that mike nichols directed and i was just like oh my right god. well first of all two of mine are the graduate and birdcage so yes. i mean <laughs> but i mean like I he really loved uh harrison Ford's regarding henry yeah yeah like, but, so, good. Oh, so good i'm so sad but he did so many um oh so many brilliant films but it was so well the nuance was there and it could have definitely it could have been so heavy-handed and I think they both did such an amazing job of bringing like the, re, really removing the judgment from them anyways right. so that was a side note but I just like such good zinger so thank Kevin wait great job right. like <laughs> great I said job, I, and it's 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 delivered so um so well because it's natural 
speech. You know, it's natural slang of the yeah. era. It's natural um, from certain economic backgrounds. There's yeah. different ways that we say things. There's different dialects and things like yeah. that. And I think that was so nice um, mm -hmm. to see that they just kind of blended against each other. And yeah, it wasn't like what I, what I was really afraid of, you know, watching it again, because when you watch movies that are from a certain era, sometimes they can be like, you know, very dated and be like, yes. oh, that's a little cringy right now. But what I liked about Tessa's characters, even when she was kind of coming into her own and she was speaking with authority to the, the men that were in the room, she still remains who she is throughout yeah. the movie, which I I love. I was worried yeah. about that. Honestly, well, on my second watch, I was really worried about it. Well, she does do it a little bit. She does clean up her ass. She slows a down a little bit. Yeah. She slows down. She did like, she's listening to, so Catherine did everything on tapes, like mm -hmm. to record, but that's how the, the information gets removed. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, uh, do this, don't go through tests. And it's on this tape, but she's like listening and keeps rewinding it and is mimicking the pattern her, of speech. Her meter. Yeah. Her meter. So that she's like, again, can slow down and be more. And she's like, softer and like trying to because she's trying to blend in mm -hmm. to blend in she's like how do I put on a mask and blend in with this group of people mm -hmm. so that they accept me um and kind of toning down like toning down the the edges but not being a different person right right and I was I was happy about that I really I was like, oh, I just don't want it to be. And it wasn't. It's definitely worth it. If you have yeah. not seen this movie yet, please go. I think yeah. it's on Amazon. Um, I think it's free. You can just mm -hmm. hit watch movie. Yeah. Um, and it's oh. really good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one last memorable moment, which is not even like a story <laughs> Harrison Ford takes off his shirt in the office, like he's changing and on the phone. And I love it because it shows a lot of his character and his relationship with the people in his office. Cause he's doing it in his office that has like glass windows and like mm -hmm. totally not even thinking about what he's doing. He's just like, I got to put a new shirt on, like takes a shirt to the drawer and has deodorant and is like doing and changing. And then a couple of the, and he like bowed, like, right. kind of, like, bows and, like gives a shit, but it was like so friendly and like, right. So whereas Tess's world was so sexualized in a way, like he was being, sexualized but then also like play, like enjoying the play of it like having fun yeah. with them because he has afforded the ability to, to have fun with it right Whereas women were not it was put upon them like she tried to get a job so seen with kevin spacey being a complete sleaze yeah i won't <laughs> say anymore not, you just not, re not, you know, not really method acting not really method. <laughs> um, and he's like and she like basically like totally turns him down and puts champagne yeah. on him. And it's like, great. Yeah. I loved it. I was and like, even yes. like Oliver Platt's character kind of pimps her out a little bit. Well, he pimps you know? her out. Yeah. <laughs> so, he pimps her out to this character is like doing yeah. coke offers. Like, we're going to the, we're going to the company hotel room. And she's like, what? <laughs> this is not a job interview, is it? No. Absolutely not. Oh, no. But I, on that point, are there any scenes that you wish didn't happen or pieces of the storyline that you were just like, mm, we didn't need that? anything that you wish was different? Um, I feel like it did well, like of its time, I felt like it was very accurate. And I feel like now things that have become more tropes, like, I don't know, we wanted the feel good ending of the, the two of them getting together and it was so sweet. Um, but in some ways you're like, well, did they have to? Like this idea mm -hmm. of like, like 
now like I don't know there's still there's part of me that loves a good rom-com romance in it mm-hmm. and also the thing that I really hate about rom- things that are romantic shows is that okay this is what I would change Harrison Ford's character Jack Trainer is actually dating Sigourney Weaver's part, uh, character Catherine Parker so Catherine mm-hmm. and Jack are dating and she's expecting him to pop the question and he wants to break up with her yeah now he didn't break up with her and he slept with Melanie slept with her Mm -hmm. and started to have a relationship with someone else with the idea of like well we're not really together because I don't want to be together no you are together she thinks that you're gonna get married what would nailed it (laughs) better for me is if they were on a break and basically he's like I'm not interested she's like no just take time we're gonna take a break and he's like no I'm really not and she being like the character that she is being very demanding and I get whatever I want is still insistent that they're together but they're not together Mm -hmm. that could have done the same thing as what we had and then you would know have no one being a cheater yep yep because Melanie Griffith who is the lead and also like you such double standards if you see a woman cheating oh that's very bad but mm-hmm. if you see a man cheating that's totally fine guess what neither sign <laughs> she and surprise yeah she and mick broke up before right. she slept with or got together right. with jack or even like it, even it recognized her feelings for him right but to your point with that he was caught red-handed mick sleeping with that girl and then they still attended a party like she was just supposed to be over it Yes, that is true as well. But I think that that, that felt, but that felt right to the, those characters and that yeah. world. Mm-hmm. And also, what happened with Jack and Catherine felt true because it's what we see all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you really think about it, he was cheating on his partner, who yeah. he had been with long enough that she thought they were going to get married, yep. and they were about to have an anniversary. Mm-hmm. Yep. See, pokes a little bit holes in it. I kind of did not want them to be together at the end. Yeah. I wanted him to be like, you know what? I, you know, this is how I feel about you. And I'm more than happy to just be your colleague because mm-hmm. you, you know, you didn't use me to get what you needed. I didn't use you to hang it over your head. Like, look what I've gotten for you. Yeah. I would have just liked him to just kind of let her well, be. I, yeah. I would love to have more shows that are like men and women are can just be friends and they yeah. can just sleep together. Yeah. But yeah. this was like an underpinnings of this is basically a romantic comedy. So yeah, was I mean, cute. I didn't hate it, and it was because like, <laughs> it's like because oh, they're so sweet at the end. Like he made her a little lunchbox. Yeah, like, yeah, for your big like, day, honey. Yeah, and he was really sweet. I just um, I felt like it was a a kind. It felt like it was a kind relationship. Like they were kind to each other. Yeah, they were good for each other. So I I didn't mind it because I knew it was going to be. But mm-hmm. if you're like talking about like how do we change the dialogue about the relationship between men and women right then a different ending would be great yeah 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 that's where the dated comes in I think and there's still room to do that I mean if if we take an example or take a page out of this playbook where it's showing women who can support each other because I mean, we've lived through the decades of the early aughts where it was like the bad girls club and Mm -hmm. it was like you know all of these you know, uh, reality shows where like literally that's <laughs> unscripted. Um, I was told where, I had to be a bitch to get ahead, 
right? I was yeah. told. I was not, yeah. not like, not subtly, like as in told. Yeah. If you yeah. want to get ahead, you have to be a bitch. I was like, that's not me. So sorry. Yeah. And that's, that's what I feel like is nice about this film is that we're shown support and we're shown how people of our communities aren't always for us. And then we're shown the ways we need to navigate it in order to work from our perspective to finish what our trajectory is, mm -hmm. um, which is excellent. So in that vein, mm -hmm. what do you feel this movie, if anything, is trying to say? What do you feel is your, your opinion, <laughs> the allegory of this film? Well, it is very much about like, I'll go back to that line she said, where like, you can bend the rules when, you, when you're at the top, mm -hmm. but sometimes you when you're like come from a background that is not the expected background, you have to bend the rules to get there. Yeah. And I feel like that is, I think the thing that this is saying is like, is like, is saying, yeah, you are judged by where you're from and who you are. And sometimes you have to take different approaches or even radical approaches. Mm -hmm to be able to find success because you just have to get people to listen. Oh, if that is not allegory for my entire writing career. <laughs> preach, preach. Like, exactly. Mother Taylor from the pulpit, please. It's like, thanks like Nickel and, Nichols and Kevin Wade for spelling out my whole life. And what exactly. I'd be like to do in a writing career as someone who doesn't know anyone. I just <laughs> want you to see me. But so it, someone just see me? Yeah, and especially from a working class or being in the poverty level. And, and I'm not saying that, oh, if you have never been poor, you never understand because there's always a struggle for whatever type of caste system or hierarchy that there is out there. Yes. But with being, feeling like you are under equipped for mm -hmm. what you want to do or feel that it is out of reach because you yes. are shown by society that it is out of reach. Um, I think that this, this is a nice film to show you that with your determination, there really isn't anything that's out of reach, but it also is really realistic where she literally had to, you know, she had to kind of move her head <laughs> to yeah. a different thought pattern and say, no, I could do this. I could give up. I could fold and yeah. be whatever I'm supposed to be, what they tell us to be in my particular yeah. society, or I, you know, pull myself by my bootstraps and, and do this. And I feel like that's an excellent frame of mind, mm -hmm. but I also feel that there's too many times where it's like, that is our only option is to just take the rejection and keep going. It really kind of yeah. sucks. It really kind of sucks. It's a very, it's also a very, like, it's from a perspective, it's from a very white perspective as well. Mm -hmm. the show. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's things that she got away with it. She couldn't have got away if she's a woman of color. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, she wouldn't be able to go away. She, there's no, there's no way she would. No. But yeah. also like, so I think what I loved is it actually, it did show a working class community in a light that was not always like, we, we joke about, we joke about this in um, when I lived in England and in um, being in London and saying like, oh, people working, no, sorry, upper middle class, middle, middle class and upper class people like to watch plays about the poor up north. And like, mm -hmm. so it's like poverty, like, or trauma porn. like Trauma porn, of, yeah. <laughs> oh, and man. that plays about these like, and it's like always the worst and like their life is so bad and everyone's an alcoholic and a drug addict and a whatever. Yeah. To be able to see like, there's so few representations of people who live in 
working class or, or um, areas just living their life and not, it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. Right. But we are very much seeing a very specific like white working class mm-hmm. community. Yeah. Which isn't always important the same for other communities, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate. And I yeah. like that's, but that's why we need people who have come from those backgrounds because you're seeing the stereotype of what I think poor people do. Right. Or why, or why people are poor. You're like, right. that's not how it is. But right. <laughs> the same homogenized <laughs> stories. And that, that's was, you know, in a conversation that I had with a friend of mine who had just entered a writer's room and was um, a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic actually, um, was the only person of color on a predominantly, you know, 60% person of color show. So mm-hmm. it's just like, and, and it was, you know, not wanting to bite off the hand that feeds anybody. But the question is like, everybody's okay with this being the split right now? Like, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Like, yeah. And you're not, sounds, like, sounds good. <laughs> well, and it's like anything like, po- like poverty, disability, mental illness, you know, race are not monoliths. Like we, like, right, right. So, so many different experiences that you need different experiences. Like, you know, having a friend of mine, she's like, I'm a black writer and everyone's like oh like like trying to like put me in this visual like wow we have characters that are like living are from the streets she's like I'm from like middle class like, right small I grew town. up in the like, suburbs I, like, I don't know what you have to do suburbs <laughs> I have no idea what I've never lived in these environments and you're like all these poor neighborhoods and big cities she's like I didn't live in a big right. environment like what the fuck guys yeah oh my god we were uh Phil and I were just talking about Africa yeah. And it's like, why is it, why is every movie that shows Africa, like in the Serengeti, like as yeah. much of Africa is like that. Yeah. Like, why is everything in the jungle? So urban. The so jungle. Much, yeah. Oh my God. I can't. I know. But where were we? Where were we talking about? Anyway. Um, <laughs> I digress. But I mean, I, this is what, this opens up these conversations because yeah. we so rarely see this representation or we see any representation really on screen that feels yeah. accurate, but this one actually felt like there was no judgment. And that's yeah. very rare for things across the board, I feel. Right. And super supportive of a female character written by a man. The gaze was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, she was in her underwear a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but then also it was kind of a, it was a little bit like her, because that's what her characters. So I think it was more representative, not of the writer director, but more of the, other male characters in the world mm-hmm. and you saw her wearing the stuff that she liked versus the stuff that her boyfriend bought her right you only see her in her underwear twice right you right see her once when she's wearing what she wears underneath something that makes her feel good mm-hmm. then you see what she wears when her boyfriend he's like she's like what i wish you would buy me something that i could wear outside she right. literally says this yeah and then his gift to this like couple at their bridal shower is underwear yeah like it, he dr- is so driven through this lens of like sex and sexualization of women mm-hmm. and she's like no I'm more than I'm more than, than a mistake I'm more yeah. than a mistake I'm more than something to look at and so it's like you do see that juxtaposition and that's all you see and then she there's a lot of comment and she even comments herself about being like like Catherine's like well sometimes you just have to like play the game but then you hit them with your smarts right you just you you lean yeah. into the the ex- you lean into what their expectation is and then you can like subvert it but I think that there is something interesting to be said in like the, the role that women are placed in yeah the world and the, 
continue to play since to this day. <laughs> I was gonna say, and the change, oh, and the change, what? Change that happened. So I'm like, this is the before picture. It remains the before picture. Yeah, it remains the before picture. Yeah, and you're gonna change it. Heather's doing big things, okay. absolutely wonderful things. So where can the kids find the things that you're involved in? What are you working on right now? Right. What's happening in Heather's world? Okay, before we go there, I want to <laughs> tell no, no, I want to tell you something that you are going to love. Okay. I'm going to love it. I'm prepared before I talk about like what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> so I got married at, at some point in my life. No, I got married in 2017. <laughs> I got married in Manhattan and I got married at, uh, like the sacred heart school, but it's like the auto con match. Mm-hmm. So it sounds fancy, but they rent by the hour. We just kept it as short as possible. Yep. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Anyways. My friends walk into where we're having our dinner and they're like, holy, can I swear? I can swear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've been swearing, oh, I've been swearing throughout. They're and like, holy shit, Heather, this is the location of the wedding in Working Girl. Oh, man. <laughs> so the wedding that they crash in Working Girl is where I had my wedding. connection so there are pictures oh and that's I, tender and I went back and watched it I was like oh that's where I got that's where we had our wedding oh. was in that venue oh you're right so, I did love it <laughs> I know I was like oh you're gonna love this and it was like my favorite part of the day I've tried to add working girl like when I was older I came to New York for the and not the first time but like because I the first time I took the set on a ferry as I mm. rode across I sang Carly Simon's song but um, Let the River Run, I had to sing it. I added it into a podcast or no, into a web series I did as like when they're like, come on, working girl. And then they sing the song, they hum the song. So I can get Oh, I love it. I just always like had this affinity for this like idea of like what a working, like what it took to get a girl is. Yeah. Oh, see, this is why I do the show. (laughs) I was like, oh, if I'm going to talk about anything, I have to talk about this. That's pretty, that's pretty freaking special. I adore that. It was amazing. It was tender. All right. Um, All right. What am I doing? Okay. So I'm working on a bunch of stuff that I can't talk about, which is pretty normal. Awesome. Yeah. Production purgatory. It's fine. Um, But I am, uh, I'm really excited. I'm working. I can't tell you a lot of it. I'm working on this podcast. Um, It's part of a narrative podcast series. Wonderful. um, I wrote and I will be directing the episode um, in LA and I'm super excited Um, and it will come out in March of 2023 because that's how long things take. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, I most recently of things that I just most recently did I was uh, a writer in the room for the Hardy Boys uh, which was set in the 1980s so I felt like this was also a really good thing so I wrote on season two, I co-wrote two episodes and it's on Hulu and it's still on Hulu. It will be on Disney plus as well for those who awesome. have Disney plus. Um, and then uh, last year I wrote a film called Lethal Love that's on Netflix. That's a really fun women in parallel I like thriller. I love it. Like, all this it's really good. It's very fun. And so I'm like, those are the main things. And then right now it's like, I'm just, you know, I have some shows that are in development with producers right now that we're trying to take out. Um, but also uh, I do a podcast with my sister called Brains. And basically for us, like we've, we come from a place, we have a parent with mental illness, um, with mental illness, disability, she has agoraphobia, my mother. And mm-hmm. so sometimes if we leave a house, we end up really having to like 
um, take care of her growing up. And just for a lot of times we see a lot of misrepresentation of mental illness on screen, a lot of misrepresentation of poverty on screen, a lot of misrepresentation of disability on screen. And so we thought, well, why don't we talk to experts and people with lived experiences about different things that affect our brains um, in many wide range of capacity. And then also talk about what we'd want to see on film and television. So right. something that's good for people who are just like, want to learn about um, different perspectives on terms of like things like sleep and burnout and uh, OCD and, uh, you know, animals and how they affect your mental health. Like, right. like I mean, <laughs> I so love a, a wide range of things. Um, and then really talking about how we can do better in the entertainment industry to better represent the wide range of people who may have um, this disability or mental illness or be facing this certain thing. And so for us, it's like, if we don't talk about it, if we don't talk about how we want it right. to change, we will never have change. So right. that's why we made the podcast. It's what I believe as a human, what I bring into my yeah. work, my personal yeah. work, what I bring into the room, like how do we always push against sexual um, scripts that's what they're called when you like just believe something as it is like mm -hmm. oh men and women can't be friends they must end up together right well guess what that's a sexual script or a social script that is not true right and so like how do we push against these social and sexual scripts these scripts that we have around mental illness and disability that tells us this is how it is when it's not really how right. it is we have to change the way that it's perceived so people don't believe that is how it is right so or monoliths <laughs> and mon I monoliths, think that yeah. that is so incredible we have so much common oh my gosh so my son my oldest is neurodivergent my son is actually has ADHD and he's on the Asperger spectrum so it's very interesting to me to see where media has had one you know what I mean like there's just one kid that has ADHD he's always you know bouncing off the walls and he's this and he's that and yes. he's this but it's like literally my son has none of that like my son, <laughs> I've never seen my son bounce all around like and he was diagnosed when he was 11 my son's going to be 24 so he's had to go through that whole gamut of people like not understanding that yes. oh that means that oh you will you do that with this particular disorder as well oh that's something that you need this is something that will make your job easier mm -hmm. um and it's where you have society kind of learning on the fly how to respectfully meet these people where they are. Yes. And it's the patience that people don't have to learn that. And that's really a difficult piece. And my niece is actually orgorophobic. She was, she was diagnosed when she was 13 and she's going to be, God, how old am I? She's going to be 31. And there's so, a lot of misconceptions yeah. around that. Yeah, it's always oh. like the recluse who's a hoarder and yeah, <laughs> Rip Van Winkle, their hair hasn't been cut in years. Like okay. <laughs> bullshit. So can I, I'm just gonna the bullshit of like, oh, we want a character who doesn't leave his house. Yeah. That's what they do. I'm like, well, that's not really what it is. No. And then they get to the doorstep, the frame of the door, and it's like they can't cross over, like it's like field of dreams, and if he crosses <laughs> over, he becomes an old man. Oh my I'm god. Like, that is not how it works. Like no. you have someone sitting there. And they realize they have to go out and you see them slowly make excuses of why they don't have to leave the house until right. they don't leave the house. Right. And then you're like, it, then they say to themselves, I'm fine. I'm just not feeling well. My mom would be like, oh, sorry, I wasn't feeling well. And I was like, oh, you, gotta, you, were, you didn't want to go because 
you stop going to places where you have panic attacks. So guess what? You believe if I don't go to that place, I will not Am have I gonna panic, panic attack. attack. Yep. My That's niece was able is. to go to a Jonas Brothers concert and was fine yeah. until she realized that she was too far from the exit. And now she does not go to stadium. She's not going to, like, she just, she won't. And it's I'm, not, My you mom know. will not go to a movie and she, like, at one point, she'd have to sit on the edge seat or not go to the movie. Yeah. So we want to be able had, to get out. Yeah. She has to get out as fast as she can. She, yeah. when, we were, when I was a baby, she even had a hard time taking showers because if she had shampoo in her hair, what if there was an emergency and I had to leave and her shampoo in my hair? Yep. Like that. Or if it runs in my eyes and I can't get out. Yeah. And then like no public <laughs> transport because you can't get off when you want to get off. No yep. taking flights, same reason. Like lots of reasons. And, yep. Never and sitting I, in the backseat. That's one of my nieces yeah. thing. I can never sit in the backseat because yep. I can't then, see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then like, and, and I think that's the thing is we need to see more of these like nuanced and different approaches. Like there's a I met a doctor who said, when you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. It's the same thing with everything. ADHD is a spectrum disorder that crosses over with, mm-hmm. with, with ASD. Like we're actually almost exactly the same, except for like five or six things. Like, right. it's not very different. Like I have sensory stuff. Like I can't, you know, when I get, to, and, I, and it's more of the realization of clocking, like, what is this? I'm like, oh, it's because I'm too right. hot. It's too bright. Like I was doing things to help myself without knowing why I was doing it mm-hmm. and then being judged for like, oh, you switched to a new thing again. You changed jobs again. You did this again. And always feeling shame, always feeling guilt for mm-hmm. who I am as a human, mm-hmm. knowing for many, many years that I, I was like, I a hundred percent have ADHD and was scared to go to the doctor because I really thought like it's a neurodevelopmental disorder. And I'm like, but I'm really smart. I can't yeah. have it. Well, it's not how it works. It's called yeah, twice absolutely. exception. It's called twice exceptional, which is bizarro, but right. <laughs> you can have, you can be both, right? Right. Like, it's nothing to do with your intelligence. It's just how your brain um, <laughs> like, yeah, it's how your brain is formed to um, motivate you. So I'm motivated by different things than other people are. And I see right. things in different ways and I observe the world differently because I pay attention to everything at the same time, mm-hmm. which is why sometimes it's overwhelming. Yeah. And like, it's overload. Yeah. It's overload. So there's all these little things and you realize the importance of things where like my, my doctor said to me, like, you have like, a, it's like you have a square brain and you've been trying to put it into a circle hole for your whole life and being told, like, it's like saying like, I can't see blue. And everyone's like, of course you can see blue. And I'm like, I guess I can see blue. And then one day someone says, you can't see blue. And I was like, I see, I told you I couldn't see blue. Right. I couldn't. And you've been telling me that I could, and I, I can't, and I don't understand. I don't understand why this is so hard when I'm like, oh, it's because it's just executive function is a big part of your life and it's very hard. And, and yeah. so you have to find different ways to exist and to create an environment. It's about making an environment that is right for you and not having to change you for the environment. Right. And that's biggest lesson. I'm, I'm so glad that you're working on those pieces, and especially your podcast is giving. And, and if you please go listen to the podcast, it's an Apple podcast. It's called Brains. It's amazing. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> so I'll look. say it's B-R-Triple-A-I-N-S. So like yeah, there you go. Like zombies because we've got TV. I don't know. Oh, that was great. I absolutely loved it. And that's why I I describe it to people like that. And my friend was like, wait, what? Like it's called Brains. She was like, oh, I didn't know what you were saying. But it's an excellent podcast. And it's so easily you, the way you have it structured 
um, with you and your sister, Sarah, Sarah, right? Yeah. Correct. Is it's a very digestible podcast. You're not going over people's heads with jargon or, you know, double speak or things where they're just like, oh, well, this is kind of sounding, you know, like something that is too much for me. Um, and it's definitely brought at a real level where it's, it's eye level with you. Like it's something that you will be able to recognize either from your own self, or you recognize somebody that has these kind of issues or you, it, it peaks something that you have not really sunk your teeth into before dedicated too much time concentrating on. It really is, makes you think. And I've, mm -hmm. I've really enjoyed it thus oh, far. So you. you wanted to say that, but I'm really glad that. It's like nice to hear because when you, as you know, you record stuff and you're like, Ooh, I hope people like Oh, this. all the time. <laughs> well, obviously we're all on the podcast time. right now. <laughs> all the time. All the time. Um, but no, I think that's, it's been so enjoyable and it's been so nice to have you here. I'm so excited. Yeah. This has been such a good little chat. Thank you for and having me. And we should definitely have more of these. Um, so is there a website or anything where they can follow you, social media, anything where we can get at you? Yes. So. Uh, I try to keep consistent branding. So everything is Heather A. Taylor. Gotcha. So it's Heather A. Taylor on all the socials. And then heatherataylor.com is my website. So you can Love see it. my work. You could contact me, whatever you want. I'm always open to chatting with people. And um, I think that's how we, I don't know, just like that's how you do it. You just got to like meet people and make your way into the world and yep. go, with, go with kindness and openness and just like who knows? Who, who knows where you're going to meet your next Who friend? knows where you're going to meet? I actually met Heather at um, a comedy event in New York. We met oh, Caveat. Yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> so, it's so weird. We sat and sat at a table together. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was super cool. You do know, you know, you know, you never know who you're going to meet. If you are going to reach out, don't be weird. Don't be sleazy. Be respectful. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> don't pitch me stuff because I can't. Don't pitch her. She can't I'm help pitching. you. <laughs> no, no, I want to help people, but I can't help you anyway. <laughs> yep. yep. We'd let, let's just have, learn about each other first. I have no money. I have no money. <laughs> I have no money. I have no money. We're still, we're still in the before. Um, yeah, we're still in the before. <laughs> With Melanie Griffith. In the before. In the before. But this has been amazing, Heather. Thank you so much for being with us today, kids. And we will see you in a couple of weeks. Okay. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>